Hey, everybody. Welcome back to D3 Glory Days on the Sidious Mag Podcast Network. I'm Noah Drotty, joined, as always, by my co-host, Stu Newstat. we got a really great conversation for you today, actually. I mean, I guess we say that every week, but I think Stu and I agree this is one of our favorites that we've done in a long time. But before we get around to introducing this week's guest, just the normal business of the show, thank you for supporting this podcast. If you'd like to help us spread the word, tell a friend, share it on social media. Be sure you follow us and subscribe on your podcast app. That helps a lot. If you'd like to support this podcast financially, there's a link to our Venmo. If you'd like to represent the podcast with t-shirts, or crewnext, we have a merch store on our website, d3glorydays.com, and you can find a link for that in the show notes as well. As a reminder, we come out every Tuesday, and so there'll be one next week too. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss it. Stu, who is joining us this week? Yeah, today we're joined by the director of cross-country and track and field, Marcus Newsom of Warper College. Coach Newsom has amassed a crazy career at Warper College with eight national titles on the women's side, combined 60 conference titles from both the men and the women, and has had well over 500 All-Americans. Not only that, Coach Newsom shares his background, how he got into coaching, his coaching philosophies, and what makes this Warburg program so special. It's clear that his passion for the sport, his love for his student athletes shines above all else, shines above all the accolades he has had. And you understand why the Warburg track and field program has been so successful. Like Noah said, this is definitely a great conversation to listen to. I was fired up, ready to run through a wall for him. I know why these athletes perform so well. He seems to be a great motivator and has the art of coaching understood. It was really fun to dive into his background. We got to talk a lot about his mother, who was one of the guiding influences of his life. We also talked about his role as the diversity issues coordinator at Wartburg. Coach came from a violent inner city neighborhood and found himself eventually in the predominantly white Waverly, Iowa. And so we talk about the culture shock that comes along with that and how he's worked his whole life to educate people on diversity issues on top of guiding them in athletic performance. So yeah, this, this conversation was really cool in a number of ways. So we hope you enjoy it. Uh, thanks for joining us again this week. And until next time, here's the glory days. Welcome back to D3 Glory Days. We're continuing our coverage of the Outdoor National Championships, and today we're joined by Warper College's head coach, Marcus Newsom. Coach, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're, we're super excited to talk and, and hear about the, the first men's title in Warburg track history, which is crazy to think about given the, the history that you've had there. And so first question, super basic. How does it feel to finally get a men's national title at Warburg? You know, it's a, it's a special feeling. It really is. You know, when you are uh, the, you know, director, the head coach for both programs, you know, there's always a comparison, right? And, and so for a number of years, you know, we've been able, been blessed to be successful on both the men and the women's side from a conference perspective. Um, you know, but from a national perspective, there was always this 
where are your women um, winning national titles and your men are not. Uh, so when you're the head for both, you recognize um, what the expectation is and what, what my own personal expectation is in terms of making sure that, you know, I have both programs uh, at the highest level possible. So uh, this, this definitely uh, has been a long time goal, long time dream. Uh, and, it, and it feels good. It, it, it feels good. Yeah, I mean, you're obviously no stranger to winning, as we'll get into uh, later in the show. Um, but what made this group so special? Like, what, why did they achieve, finally achieve this goal that you've had for the program for so long? I will tell you uh, that this uh, senior class of young men, as well as underclassmen, um, they believed in that dream, right? They believed in the dream that uh, our men's program would win the national title. Uh, and so when you get four classes that believe in that dream, they were willing to do the things that they needed to do, make the sacrifices they needed to make in order uh, for that to happen. And so, um, you know, you know, one of the things um, that was so special uh, is, you know, Dallas saying to me, big old hug, both teary-eyed, him and me and, and saying, coach, you said we would win a national title. But I responded to him saying, uh, you believed in that, though. You believed in that dream, and, and uh, you made that dream a reality in terms of your belief and your leadership. Uh, and so that's, that's the difference there. Um, they, they believed in that dream, just like, you know, uh, the, the eight national championships on the women's side. Our women believed in that. Uh, and so our men, I would say, we finally got a, 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 a strong group of men that really believed uh, that they could achieve at that level. And they made all the sacrifices and did all the things that they needed to do to achieve that. With the COVID pandemic canceling last year's outdoor championships, was this out of the blue that you all won or was this in the making, but yet last year was canceled and we just didn't know? I would definitely say this was in the making. Yeah. Uh, we really felt like a year ago, we felt like we were a trophy team a year ago. Uh, so we get down to the national indoor championships a year ago, uh, you know, hours before competition, pandemic hits, it's canceled. Uh, but we felt like we had a group of men that was positioned to be in the top four. Uh, and definitely going into this year indoor season, we felt like we were a national championship team indoors. So this was this was definitely in the making for that to carry over into the outdoor season. Uh, one of the things we always feel like we're a better outdoor championship team than we are indoors, um, both on the men and the women's side, um, just because of the diversity of the events from indoor to outdoor. Um, but, uh, but you know, we, we really feel like this was definitely in the making. So this is maybe a big question to ask a coach, um, but I was curious if you could kind of walk us through the meet a little bit. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, what points – you really expected and what performances maybe surprised you where you got points that you weren't counting on? I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, we, we expected, uh, we expected from the, where the points break came from, we expected to get those points. Uh, we actually expected to get, you know, we expected to win the 400 hurdles, right? I mean, Dallas was uh, the number one hurdler all year long, defending national champion. I knew that uh, he's talented enough to score in the 400, um, you know, those preliminary rounds on, on Thursday and Friday, you can get through those rounds. It's the final day of championships uh, that comes back 
uh, to really, you know, uh, that could cause some problems for you. And it did, right? I mean, uh, for him to, to be second in the 400, run 46, I mean, crush our school record, uh, but only have about 55 minutes between the finals of the open four and the finals of the 400 hurdles. Um, that's tough. Uh, he also had led off our four by one. So, so in terms of, you know, we, we, we felt like he was definitely, uh, would win the 400 hurdles. Uh, but you know, we got five points uh, instead of 10, uh, but he got eight points in the, in, in, in open four and get second. So, you know, we really felt like Obviously, that's a tough double, um, but he was willing to sacrifice him being a national champion uh, to win a team championship. And 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 so, uh, but from a from a standpoint of what we scored in the in and you know the 10k and the 5k and the steeple, uh, yes, our freshman in the steeple as a runner-up, uh, we felt like he was talented enough to be in the top three, but to be a, a runner-up. We expected that from him, but, you know, as a freshman, uh, getting that experience for the first time, being in a national meet in a new event. I mean, I mean, you know, the steeple, they don't run a steeple in high school, right? And so, uh, but we, we definitely expected him to score in the top three. Um, we, expect, we, we expected our 5K guys to score. Uh, we didn't know where, but we expected them to score and we expected to do well in the 10K. You know, probably the one unexpected thing that didn't occur for us, we expected to score in the 800 and we didn't make the finals in the eight, but we were able to make the finals in the 110 highs and that helped there. I, I thought it was going to be a stretch for us to score in the 100 meters, uh, Derek, uh, just because Derek had a full load as well. He was a four by one, he was open one, open two, you know, four by four, but we expected him to score in the 200 as well. So. You know, I, I'll tell you, um, we expected both of our relays. Matter of fact, we, 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 we felt like our four by one could, could win a national title, um, but we fell short of that. Um, we felt like if we didn't win, we would be runners up. We end up third. You know, there was a, a, a single heat ran with a one team um, because of a controversy. And so, you know, uh, they ran really, really well. You have to give them credit, take your hats off to, to what they did by themselves. And so, you know, that dropped us down a third. Yeah. So, you know, I would say we expected to score in the areas that we expected, and we had great experience and great maturity competing in those areas. One race I want to touch on here, it comes down to the 4 by 4 on paper. However, Oshkosh doesn't have a 4 by 4 Eau Claire is uh, three points behind you. What's the message to those guys in the 4 by 4 especially, you know, you mentioned Dallas, right? He's coming off a, a crazy day, an unexpected fall in the hurdles, and he's leading off, you know, was there a specific message to him or just across the board? Was there a, a message? Well, it's interesting you asked that question because um, <clears throat> when he got done with the 400 hurdles uh, and he came over to me, you know, I just told him how proud I was of him getting up uh, and finishing, um, you know, uh, that shows a lot of character uh, of that young man in itself to clip a hurdle, last hurdle, get up, finish, still finish fourth, still score five points. And he looked at me teary eyed and he says, coach, I'm just, I, I, my heart breaks. I feel bad for our team. I feel like I let our team down. And I said to him, I said, son, I said, that's what makes you so special, but that it's called a team championship, right? And so we will lift you up as you have lifted others up. Uh, and, and so if we're going to win this today, it's going to be a true team championship. So everybody's going to step up. Okay. So 
Uh, so we're walking back to our camp area and, and uh, he stops me and he looks at me and, and uh, he initially was going to anchor the four by four because we felt like it would give him more recovery time if he anchored it. And he grabbed my arm. He says, coach, I'm leading the four by four off. At that moment, I knew when he said that to me that he was gonna lead it off and it was gonna be special. And if you take a look at that video, it was special. I mean, he let it off, he handed it off in the lead and positioned ourselves to run out of traffic the entire four by four. Uh, and uh, again, that's, that's what kind of young man he is, what kind of leader he is, um, just unselfish, you know? Um, and so I knew at that point, but going into the four by four, knowing the scenario and the situation, uh, first of all, uh, after eight national titles on the women's side, I've learned one thing. You always have to have a four by four in the finals. Yeah. Always. That's the one thing I've learned. If you go, if you are, if you competing for a championship, you must have a four by four in the finals, indoors or outdoors. Okay. And so, you know, preliminary rounds, you got to get through the rounds and you have to make sure that you have a four by four on the last day, the last event of a national championship. We can check that one off the box. The next one is I felt really good about you know, our four young men, I, I really did. And i be honest with you, we had two alternates there that could have ran to, uh, and, and, and they could have ran really, really well in it as well. So I felt good about that. Um, but going over to those guys, I walked over towards them. They turned around, they looked at me, uh, and they had this look on their face where I didn't have to say a word. That look on their face that they gave me all four of them at the same time, no spoken words at all. They knew what, what they needed to do. And so uh, after years of coaching, you feel like you have that level of relationship with your student athletes where they know what you're thinking. You know exactly what they're thinking. I hugged all four of them and I walked away. And, and uh, that's a great feeling as a coach to be able to have that level of relationship with your student athletes where uh, there was unspoken word, but what they knew what I was thinking and, and, and I knew exactly what they were thinking and what they were going to do. And I was fully confident. In that. Damn coach. I'm, I'm fired up right now. I might, I, I might, I might order a pair of sprint spikes after this. I'm, I'm feeling good. Um, you know, we have a lot of, we have a lot of coaches who listen to this show. Um, and I think one kind of important thing about track meets is, you know, especially multi-day track meets, they're so long. You're the emotional center of your team. There's going to be highs and lows every day. How do you maintain your composure? What have you learned over the years to, to be the hold steady for this group of uh, men, specifically in this case, but also for the women? You know, I, I would say uh, over the course of the number of years that I've been blessed to be in this position as a coach, because I think coaching truly, it is a privilege. Uh, this is not my right. Um, this is a privilege to be able to be a part of young people's lives. Uh, and and uh, I don't take that uh, for granted at all uh, because we get a chance to do something that a lot of people don't as a coach. We get a chance to truly be able to see the overall development of a young man and a young woman. And we get a chance to see them as they come in at 17, 18 years old. And then they, as they walk across the stage and graduate four years later, uh, at 21 years and, and you have watched their overall growth. And so um, I don't take uh, this role as, as a coach uh, as my right. Uh, it is a privilege and it's an honor uh, to be a part of young people's lives holistically. And so 
uh, what I would say to you is in, in all these years, uh, one of the things I have valued is really getting to know my student athletes from a holistic standpoint, um, where uh, that, that trust, right, is built in. You know, uh, I, I believe that uh, part of my calling is, is not just to be a coach, but be a second parent, right? And, and uh, uh, man, I, I've been blessed with a mother who, who loved me unconditionally, who knew me, knew what to say, when to say it, how to say it. And I take pride in that. Uh, and so in cases like that, there's certain times in a conference meet, national meet, where as a coach, uh, you need to realize uh, that uh, things happen. And, and, and sometimes they're unfortunate. Uh, and uh, they're unfortunate for that moment, I would say. Uh, it's very fortunate for the future uh, in working through that. But uh, I, I, would, I would say to you all is, is that I take a lot of pride in really knowing my student athletes. And so uh, sometimes it, it's, it's, uh, uh, you, you need to wrap your arm around that young person uh, and you need to tell them this day too shall pass. Uh, we will learn from this. Uh, but the, the, the blessing of our sport and track and field is nine times out of 10, you have another opportunity, right? I mean, Dallas flipping that hurdle, uh, his day wasn't done. He had another opportunity for the four by four, you know, and uh, people are going to remember, yes, him clipping over that 10th hurdle, falling chest first, but they also going to remember him getting up and finishing. And then they're going to remember him finishing the national meet, uh, but they're also going to remember him hosting that, that national championship trophy up to uh, as the leader of our program and so uh, leader of this family. So uh, sometimes I think you just as a coach, you have to try to be able uh, when you know your student athletes uh, and things happen, unfortunately, uh, that was out of their control or things happen because it was a part of their overall growth process. You got to be able to trust in that process. Uh, and, and sometimes um, that's some hard lessons that comes with that. You mentioned the relationships you've built with your student athletes. Are there anything that you all set out as a program of like, hey, these are the five things we're going to follow and that builds the culture? Or how are you building you know, such a culture of success at Wartburg? You know, there's really three things that we really focus on. Um, you know, the first thing is, uh, is that, you know, we want hard workers, uh, we want them to be passionate about life, you all. I mean, that's the piece, right? Uh, if you're passionate about what you're doing academically, uh, if you're passionate about caring for other people, if you're passionate about uh, just, just simply, uh, as some people would say, uh, just the gift of life, right? Just to get up every single day. Um, I'm a passionate person. I am, right? Uh, I uh, Anybody who's ever seen me coach uh, or heard me coach, uh, I'm passionate. I'm passionate about what I do. I, I really am. And, and so and I'm passionate because this is how I live my life, right? And I want to be the example of what it means to be fortunate and blessed uh, that the good Lord woke me up this morning. So I'm a coach that way, right? Now, I don't coach any different than my mother raised me. My, if you knew my mother, you would understand why I'm the way I am, right? Uh, uh, and, and so one of the things we always talk about is we want a hard worker. We want a hard worker in all aspects of your life. Uh, so we want you to be committed to excellence academically. We want you to be committed to excellence uh, in how you train. Elite athletes make elite decisions and choices and how they train, right? And what they eat, what they put in their bodies. Uh, and, and, and we want them to be hard workers and caring about other people. 
right? Uh, our sport at times can be considered, right, an individual event or sport, right? Um, you can't win a championship with one person. You can't. You cannot, all right? And so we talk about uh, working really hard in building those relationships and breaking those barriers down that we all naturally have and we naturally come in with um, and, and, and building um, together something special. Uh, so uh, the second thing, uh, we, we want dreamers here. We want dreamers. I've been dreaming about this men's national title, you all, for a long time, <laughs> right? And so we, you know, what I told our, our men, dreams come true. It's just, you know, I'm a living witness, right? I'm a, I'm a, a, a inner city kid um, from the inner city, from a very hostile, dangerous environment. I wasn't supposed to make it. You know, one of the things I told our team um, that I wish my mother could be here because I, I owe this to her uh, because she taught me what it was like to believe in my dreams outside of what my front doors showed me, right? And, and so, um, you know, we tell them, you got to dream big here and you cannot limit your dreams and you cannot allow someone else to dictate uh, what the outcome of your dream is going to be. Uh, and, and, and so I would say, the second thing we talk about is dreaming big, not limiting yourself, uh, not selling yourself short, uh, and, 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 and not ever settling for mediocrity. And the third most important thing is, is, is to live life and have fun, man. I mean, that's the other piece of that, right? Um, you know, when there's times where, you know, whether it's in the fall or whether it's summer or whether it's in the winter and, you know, below zero, there's times where, I see our distance guys out running, our women out running in elements that most people would never want to run in. And they're out early in the morning, late at night, getting that run in. And it's like, it's not, it's like a, a art, right? It's, a, it's, it's like a piece of art because you know that in their mind, I got to get these miles in to perfect what I want this outcome of this piece is going to look like and what it's going to be. And I think a lot of times, you know, if it's a thrower, right? I mean, they may be working, you know, on, on getting themselves, getting that foot up underneath them consistently. Um, you, you take a hurdler, right? I got to lead with the knee. I got to lead with that knee, not that foot. It's something in which you constantly are working with and working on. Uh, trying to perfect your craft that allows you to be able to do something really, really special. And, and so uh, I, I just think that that's part of the unique part of our sport, but you can't do it by yourself. So you need training partners that's going to help you uh, along the way. Uh, and so I think that's a, one of the unique things about uh, is, is, is being able to perfect your craft with some assistance and help, uh, not just from your coaching staff, but from your teammates as well kind of move towards wrapping up your national championship experience and kind of before we start getting into your your own personal story I, I was hoping you'd kind of take us into your your first quiet moment your first moment alone after this national championship you know maybe after the team bus gets back to campus or whatever this was a long time coming over many years but specifically you know with COVID wiping out so many opportunities you finally had that chance to showcase the talent of your program when, when you had a moment alone, no other guys around, 
you know, what are you thinking and feeling at that point? Well, I can tell you, I, th that moment was, was uh, in our hotel room. I took a pause for a minute because I felt like, you know, I, I'm not a big social media guy. Um, you know, I'm old fashioned. You know, I really talk on the phone with people in text. I am be honest with you all. But I felt uh, it was my obligation. Uh, I had, I stopped counting over 300 plus texts and it was from alumni. And, you know, with me being at Warburg for 27 years, going on 28 years now, and it was from, you know, even some of my colleagues around the country, Division One, Two, II, and Three. I mean, it was, I mean, I was overwhelmed with joy, uh, not stress, you know, uh, not worry, but joy, right? And obviously, some, a lot of my family as well. Uh, but I was obligated. I felt like I had to respond, whether it was just, you know, thank you. Uh, and so um, that was my task at hand. And I kind of took a moment and took a break. And I kind of looked over at the trophy and put my hand on it. And I just weeped, you all. I just cried. And it was just overflowing of joy, right? All these years, you know, one of the things that that I have valued is, is I got three incredible boys. You know, they're going to always be my babies, but they're bigger than me now. But I have shared with them that you never ever run away from a challenge uh, and you face it um, and you do everything you can do. Uh, but if it's something you believe in, you're going to keep working towards it. Uh, you can't run away from it. You know, I've had, um, I've been blessed with many opportunities uh, to take other jobs uh, at Power Five schools. You know, I've even been asked, why have you stayed? At Warburg, you've accomplished, you know, uh, many things that a lot of coaches in this profession will never accomplish. What it has kept you there, and one of the things that's kept me there, kept me here at Warburg, and kept my feet placed here was that I, I said when I took over as a head coach, I would win a men and women's national title. And uh, when those opportunities came for me to look at possibly leaving Warburg, I've always reflected back on that. But I reflected back on one key element, one key thing that my mom asked me. My first opportunity, I think it was after our fourth women's national title uh, to leave Warburg. My mom asked me, have God said that your work at Warburg is done? And I, I was getting ready to respond to her. She said, I need you to take two days, think about it. So two days later, I said, I can't answer that question. She said, well, that's your answer then. And so it's, it was a lot of years of hard work and belief that uh, we're going we're gonna to achieve this goal. And uh, this, this group of young men, uh, even the young men who did not qualify, who was not at the national meet, this national championship but for all of those alumni that heard me say this for years, they're a part of this uh, because they are a part of help building this men's program and women's and, and our women. I number of those texts was from women uh, who have been a part of a national championship team or was happy for our men. So a number of those texts I got was not just from our men alums, it was from our women alums who was equally excited that we, we finally were able to get this, get this done on, on the men's side as well. So by the numbers, you've had 230 women's outdoor All-Americans, and this doesn't include this year, 198 indoor All-Americans, 78 men outdoor All-Americans, and 72 
indoor All-Americans. We got to figure out how you got here and have that many All-Americans from a program. And so reading about, reading your bio in an article, you grew up in Kansas City. It looks like you were a football and track, two-sport athlete in college, started coaching both football and track, and then veered to track. What made you decide to go the track route versus sticking with football? Or was that an option? No, I mean, it was, uh, you know, I always say that, that uh, you know, I was blessed with two options of two incredible sports that I loved. Track and field was one of those sports there, as an inner city kid that you, you can run summer track, you can run AAU track, right? And it didn't cost money, right? Um, and parents pitched in, community members pitched in for you to be able to, uh, to, to go and, and be a part of this, this, this meet uh, or that meet. And, and so uh, I always say that track and field uh, was the reason for my football success, all right? Um, uh, the success I had both in high school and in community junior college as well in college, uh, you know, track and field was the reason behind my success in football. Uh, and, and so, um, you know, our sport of track and field is very humbling. Uh, that's why I think a lot of times kids shy away from track and field because in one minute uh, you can you can be on cloud nine and feel good about yourself and what you just did. And, and an hour later, you can go back and, and uh, not run well, not jump or throw well, and then you back down feeling bad for yourself, right? Uh, it's a roller coaster. Our sport is a roller coaster. And so it was one of those opportunities that I really felt like the great thing about our sport as a coach is that everyone gets to work to achieve a personal best. Think about that. There's no first team, second team in track and field. Everybody's first team. And everybody should be coached as if they're first team, right? And so, uh, yes, is there some meets that some athletes get qualified for that others don't? Absolutely. Is there bigger meets that some of our top-end kids from across, around the country who've worked hard to be a part of get a chance? Yes, they do. Uh, but for the most part, you know, uh, you can get done with a meet and if you achieved a personal best, you can feel good about what you did leading up to that to be able to achieve a personal best. And that was a part about track and field that I loved uh, is that you always get a chance. If you put the work in and you committed to the work and, and the coaching, you get a chance to achieve a personal best. Uh, and, and so that's the part that uh, really uh, I've always felt uh, early on uh, that our sport allowed uh, for student athletes and athletes to, to be able to achieve. And so, um, so I just kind of gravitated um, uh, to the sport itself uh, from my experience of, you know, being a kid running AU track to high school to, to college. Um, and when the opportunity came for me to kind of step out of football and focusing on track, I really felt like it was, it was my time and my calling to focus in on, on that sport. Now, I get teased a lot. A lot of my classmates from college, a buddy of mine, close buddy of mine, and, and we both was two sporters in college. He, he, he watched me coach one time years ago. He's from Colorado, and he said, you're a football coach coaching track. You know, <laughs> I mean, in terms of how hard I coach, right, and, and that energy. And, and uh, he said, he said that, that was that passion behind me you know, how I played the game of football, I played that way. And I told him, I, I only know what one way to coach, right? And and that's to coach with passion. So, uh, yes, I mean, I, I my energy, um, 
um, is is live and well at every single meet. If that doesn't change, won't ever change. If it does, I need to step out. I need to retire, right? And so um, th that's kind of how I gravitated over to track and field. Uh, coach Johnson at the time, C. Johnson, who's a legend here at Warburg, uh, distance coach. Um, you know, he was he was my mentor here, um, and uh, gave me an opportunity. Um, and and uh, when he gave that opportunity, I really felt like I owed owed it to him to do the very best job I could do. Coach, if you'll allow me to backtrack further into your story, I'd love to talk about your your mother because she seems to be the reason um, we have you here today. You grew up in a difficult, sometimes violent neighborhood. You were bused to school, passed four public schools, I think I read in an article about you. Your father left at a young age, but your mom had you you know, on the right path and she seems to be an incredibly strong woman. And so I'd, I'd love to hear you talk about her and what made her so special in your story. You know, I think one of the things is, is that, you know, I, I, uh, I, I thank her to this day. I mean, I'm, I'm, it gives me emotional thinking about the sacrifices that she made for me and my sister. Um, you know, we were, our foundation has always been, you know, our faith in the good Lord. Um, and, and my mom knew we needed that foundation. She, she knew it. Right. And, and, and so, um, um, that was her strength, um, being a single parent in the inner city, raising two kids in inner city by herself. I mean, that's, that's a hard, um, hard in itself. Uh, but she gave us our foundation that we needed and our foundation, you know, was centered around, you know, God and, uh, um, so, uh, you know, when, when you're a kid, a young man in the neighborhood growing up, and you have a lot of things outside of you and in front of you. Uh, when she had me convinced, right, uh, that, uh, you know, if I didn't tell her that I did wrong, the good Lord was going to let her know. So I might as well tell her anyway. <laughs> so so uh, what that did was, is that... Um, that opened the door for us to always be able to have this open, honest relationship. But I felt like there was nothing I couldn't talk to my mom about, right? And so my sister was the same way. So um, even though we grew up in a very hostile, dangerous, tough environment, uh, I had a mom that was always there and was always there to listen, always there to discipline, always there to guide me and direct me but always there to support me and my sister and be our biggest fans. Um, and, and so that's where uh, my mom made our education. She made athletics. Uh, she made church a priority for us. Those things was very, very much a priority. And as long as that's what our focus was, she was going to do everything she could do as a single parent who was struggling to take care of me and my sister. Uh, but to provide key. There's always growing up was a need and there was a want. And so she always said, I will provide everything that you need, but a want is not something that you need, <laughs> you know? And so uh, a need, I needed football cleats, right? I needed track spike, I needed training shoes. A Walkman, I didn't need a Walkman. <laughs> Well, maybe. I mean, you might have. Right. right. I, I wanted a walk. 
Walkman, but I didn't need a Walkman. See, a lot of people don't even know what a Walkman is, right? <laughs> you know, you know. But eventually, when I got to college, I actually bought my first Walkman when I was a sophomore in college, right? You know, yeah. I had the one that automatically reversed the tape, you know. So, so, but you know, it, it's those things that I learned and those values that I learned growing up from my mom that has allowed me to be where I'm at today. Uh, and has humbled me an understanding that along the way, there's always someone, a parent, a grandparent, a community member, a coach who's always making sacrifices for you, uh, for you to be able to be successful. Uh, and that's what my mother did for me and, and, and my sister. And still today, to, to this day, I mean, I got done with the national championship and I called her and I said, we, we got one mom, we got it, you know? And, uh, for her to pause and take a minute. And, and uh, I knew she was emotional for me. Um, and just to, for, her, for, for me to hear those words was, I'm proud of you, son, uh, at 51 years old, was just music to my ears. You mentioned earlier, earlier on in our show about how, in addition to being a coach, you want to act almost like a second parent um, to your athletes. Is, is that a nod to your relationship with your mother? Were there other influential people in your life who kind of filled that role as a second parent to you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, obviously, that's the, the, the number one person was my mother uh, and my grandmother. Um, grandmother is, it was big in my, you know, we, I come from a close family. All right. We're poor uh, in terms of what people say you, you know, quote, consider poor. But uh, we were rich in all the other things. We were rich in love, you know. Uh, I tell you what, if you sat down at the dinner table, you was going to eat good. All right. Uh, you know, uh, whether you was in the family or not, if it was dinner time, they was going to feed you. Right. And so uh, we were rich in so many of those other things that uh, people don't consider. Um, but uh, that made the significant difference for me growing up. Uh, also, uh, high school coach, uh, coach Randy Westfall. He was our football coach. Um, he was a, 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 a man of great character who demanded us um, to be disciplined young men. Uh, I had a number of teachers in the 500 district of Kansas City, Kansas, that, that I would say without those teachers and coaches, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Uh, they held us accountable. Um, uh, and, and those teachers and coaches uh, was a part of my overall development. But my mother uh, and, and then, and then our pastor of our church, uh, Reverend Bainham, um, he was a, a mentor to me as well. And then, you know, you got to think about all those other mentors along the way to be where I'm at today. I mean, I, I also look at the fact that, um, uh, truly blessed, um, you know, if you know anything about Iowa and the state of Iowa, wrestling is big, right? Uh, and, um, uh, Warburg have had success in wrestling. Uh, national success. And then so Coach Miller, who was uh, now retired, uh, he was my mentor when I became a head coach here. I still can tell you, I remember going into the wrestling room and uh, sitting in the corner, sweating like crazy, right? Watching him at work. Uh, and he was willing to, 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 to give me everything uh, that he knew about what it what it would be and what I needed to be to be a good coach and a successful coach. So, so Coach Miller here uh, was definitely a, a big mentor for me. Uh, then one more was our one of our administrators, who's also our longtime women's basketball coach, Monica Severson. Uh, you know, I had the perspective of, of both uh, what it 
what it took to be successful, you know, from a male perspective of Coach Miller, but also from a female's perspective in, in Coach Monica Severson, uh, because I'm a coach for both genders, right? You know, and so uh, you need that. You need to reach out to those, in my opinion, uh, those legends in your life who can help shape and mold you. And so, um, you know, um, and, and lastly, I would say, you know, one of the best things that could ever happen to me, you know, almost 25 years now is when I, when I met my wife, right? And, and so uh, uh, she's- I had to get that one in. We had to get it in. You gotta get that in there. You, you gotta, gotta get, get it in, there. yeah. <laughs> in there now, you know, so almost 25 years to be married to a coach is hard, right? And there's a lot of sacrifices that spouses make. Um, and, and so my wife, um, um, she's been a big part of this ride. Um, and, and I'm so very grateful and thankful for her. So Stephanie Newsom, I appreciate you. So. Was there a specific moment during your uh, time as a college two-sport athlete and that you knew you wanted to be a coach? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I again, uh, all of us in any sport that's been coached by a coach where you look up to, you admire, right? Uh, you know, you, you just know the impact that they personally have on you and you just, you just admire them and, and you want to do things the way they do it. Um, um, and, and so I would say in high school, like I said, you know, Coach Randy Westfall to me, he, you know, I lived in one of the tough environments and one of the tough environments in Kansas City you can live in and uh, inner city environments. And uh, everybody in our neighborhood knew that Coach Westfall cared about young men and young women in our community. Uh, you know, Coach, Coach Westfall was from rural Kansas. You know, uh, but he felt like it was his calling uh, to come to the inner city and coach and teach uh, as a white man, right? And so, uh, man, the impact that Coach Westfall had on the lives of us, you know, how can you not want to give back to that? You know, uh, he was a lot of our uh, young men in our community. He's a lot of dads to us, you know, um, but he held us accountable. He was a disciplinarian. He loved us. He cared for us. He coached us hard. And he celebrated with us when we achieved uh, great things in all aspects of our life. And so that's, uh, I, I knew uh, that, but I, you know, I tell people all the time, one of the best coaches I've ever been around is my mother. And she's never coached a sport in her life. She's just coached life, right? And so my mom uh, has tremendously been the best coach I've ever been around. I tell our, our student athletes, one of the things I tell them all the time is, is that I'm not going to always tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear, but I'm going to do it in a way where, you know, I care. And it may be hard for you to take at that moment, but understand something. I just told, told an athlete probably two months ago that I was having the same conversation with her. I said, um, why was I hard on you? And she said, because you believed in me. I said, I'm 51 years old and my mother is still hard on me. So guess what? It ain't going to change. My mother believed in me, still believes in me, and she's still hard on me. So I'm going to be hard on you because I believe in you uh, and I love you. So, um, yeah, I would say uh, early on, uh, having those positive role models as coaches made a big difference for me. When you identified your passion for coaching and identified that as a potential career path, um, what were your, what were your next steps? You know, what, what were the things you identified? Okay. Like I have to do this if I want to be a head coach and, and how did you start to structure those kind of early years of your adult life? 
Well, you know, one of the things is when I talk to, uh, you know, future graduates or, or young men and young women say, I want to get in coaching. Yeah. Uh, what a, people, a, lot, a lot of people don't realize is, is that when I first got to Warburg, I was uh, not getting paid to coach. Uh, I was getting paid to be an assistant football coach. At the time, I was director of diversity recruitment and retention and admissions. So my full-time job was in admissions. I was in my second kind of full-time role. So, you know, was football. And then when Coach Johnson kind of knew what my background was in track, he asked if I would be willing to help coach in track. So I coached at Warper for my first four years and never got paid for it. And I coached and I recruited uh, and I never got paid for it because he didn't have any money. He was by himself, right? And so I did it because the love of the sport. Uh, so I tell, you know, sometimes I tell student athletes who want to get in coaching, I said, sometimes, you know, coaching careers start because you do it because you love it, not because you're getting paid for it. Uh, and that's when I, when I tell people that they're like, wow, you know, you coached for four or five years at Warburg and never got anything. You know, I mean, no, what I got back out of it was those athletes developing, getting better, having success. That was my payment, right? Um, and, and along those same lines, I was thinking that my direction was going to be football anyway. And so, you know, um, so, you know, I, I think it was a part of that process uh, that allowed me to realize that I really loved the sport and uh, I loved what it meant to me and I loved the outcome um, that it created for other young people. Yeah, in War you came to Warburg in 95, and then that 98, 99 season, you were the head coach then. How did that field go from, you know, everything you just mentioned, having football coaching, part of admissions, and now, you know, basically a volunteer on the track team, and now it's your program. You know, were, were you nervous? What were the, the feelings when you finally were the head coach? You know, I feel like I was prepared. You know, I, you, I got, yeah, I got my first full year was here in 94, 94, 95. And so uh, when I took over the first, for the first year in 97, the 97, 98 season, um, I, I felt like I, I was prepared. Um, I was prepared uh, from the perspective that I had received from Coach Johnson and the growth and development that I had watched him. And, 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 and so I was prepared to be a head coach, but I wasn't prepared in terms of what it took from this perspective of all the ups and downs that comes with coaching, right? The highs and the lows, I would say I wasn't prepared for that. Uh, and, and so you had to, you know, I had to learn as I went, right? Uh, for to how to handle those highs and those lows of recruiting, highs and lows of coaching, highs and lows of a conference meet, uh, national meet, um, but I feel like I was prepared to be able to have an open mind and a whole open heart to learn the right way to do it. Okay, this is kind of a long question, so bear with me as I try to figure out how to get it all out. So in addition to serving as a coach, you were also uh, the diversity issues coordinator. Is that the correct title? Yes. Cool. While I was reading about you, there was one moment that kind of stuck out and you and Feel free to correct my facts, please. But there was a moment where you were really tired out from explaining to other people the issues surrounding race and systematic oppression. And it was either your mother or your grandmother, you know, kind of checked you on that. And it was like, hey, this, 
this, this never ends. Like you can never be tired of this. Yeah. And so that kind of leads me into my bigger question. You know, you're, you're from an inner city environment. You're now in Iowa, which is, you know, overwhelmingly white. How do you use your personal history to, you know, take track, which is a diverse sport and, and educate everybody, you know, maybe white folks who haven't ever really been around people of color or people of color who are now living in a predominantly white environment? So I'm going to touch base on your first, your first part of that question. So uh, I'm in college. I am a junior in college. The more the, the movie Boys in the Hood comes out, right? Uh, I think a lot of people, uh, if you've ever watched that movie, very powerful movie, very educated uh, movie that, that leaves you with a lot of uh, questions, in-depth questions that you're going to ask yourself, regardless if you're from that environment or not, right? And I, I came home and, and uh, there was this, we had a form at the, at the college at the time. And, and, you know, I was on this form and, and I'm asking all these questions. And, and so we, you know, questions that people had that was not from the inner city, that, that had no association with the inner city other than what they heard or what they seen on TV, you know, which a lot of times definitely does not give you an accurate, accurate information on what the inner city is really about. Uh, so we're at home and I think I was at home for Easter. And I remember we were having a conversation about the movie and I remember saying very loudly, I said, I am so tired of educating people. And it was almost like this moment of silence. My grandmother said, what did you just say? And so my mom, my grandmother is originally from the South. And so everybody in the family because of grandmother's tone. I mean, she's the matriarch of the family, right? And so uh, the tone said, uh-oh, right? He's in trouble now, right? And she said, baby, come sit next to me. And the gist of her conversation with me while everybody else in the family is listening is that you can never get tired of educating. She said, there's a number of our ancestors that if they would have got tired, we wouldn't be where we are today. You can never get tired. It is your obligation. It is your duty, all right, to educate others about what it means to be Black, what it means to be African-American in this world. If you don't take the opportunity to educate them when God gives you that opportunity, then you are not making the path for those who come after you better you're hurting their path. And so she said it with this conviction. She, so she said, it's your duty, it's your job to educate and you can never get tired. And I could see the, the emotion, the tears in her family and she gave me a big old hug and kiss. And, and, and uh, you know, I can re remember looking at my mom next to my grandmother and my mom shaking her head. Cause here I am, I'm just junior in college thinking I got things figured out, right? And, and it was like that moment of proud, my mom being very, very proud of her mother and still being able to, to, to teach uh, this next generation, which is me on what the expectation is of being African-American, being black uh, and having to teach and having to educate. Um, our sport of track and field is the most diverse sport of any sport you are. We all know that, right? I mean, it's diverse. It's a diverse in events. Uh, it's, diver it's diverse in, in um, 
technique, it's, it's diverse in uh, athletes competing in it. It's, 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 it's global, right? It's, it's extremely diverse. And I think a lot of people don't look at our sport that way, but it is. Uh, I'm, I can proudly say our, our team is the most diverse team of any team on this campus and have been um, um, for all the years that I've been head coach. We've had the most diversity in terms of cultural diversity, in terms of geographic origin. I mean, we, we've had the most diversity of anyone. And so, um, so that in itself allows uh, for a lot of lessons on campus to be, be, be taught, a lot of lessons to be learned uh, from one another. Uh, for my own student athletes. I can give you all an example. Years ago, I had a young man that was from a small town in New Hampton, Iowa, and I had another young man who was from West Palm Beach, Florida. Long story short is, is that they both had the same mindset in how they competed, and they demanded to be roommates when we were at nationals together, a conference together. So we're at national meet in Ohio, and I remember walking into their room. They had the door cracked, and I remember walking into the room, and, and uh, uh, I, I hear country music, right? And uh, it was, they were looking at CMT, the, the country music video station. The station. And uh, I looked at, at one of the young man from Florida and I said to him, you listen to country music? He said, yeah, but I only got about five more minutes because BET is my turn for BET. So like every, every 15, 20 minutes, they were rotating, right? But the awesome part is that they were talking through it. They were educating each other. And that's the value of our sport, right? I mean, that interaction of a young man from West Palm Beach, Florida, a young man who grew up in rural Iowa on a farm. I mean, that's the value of that, right? And that's the value of our sport. And so I really felt like uh, that's what our sport provides uh, for our student athletes. And, and, and so, you know, one of the things I'm going to tell you is, is that I value that piece uh, as a coach. I value it um, to provide that experience and that space and that freedom on our team, part of our family here. Um, and I value in the classroom, you know, um, by having a diverse team, uh, those same student athletes are also in the classroom with other students from other sports, from other communities, uh, and, and, and what that value brings to the classroom and the campus as a whole. Um, you know, obviously with what our country has experienced, um, that unity um, and that, uh, that commitment to, to being unified uh, and just simply sitting down and, and listening uh, to one another um, has, has been a tremendous um, opportunity and experience for me as a head coach here. Mentioning your student athletes from all around the country is kind of a recruiting question. How do you get track and field athletes to come to middle of nowhere, Iowa? Well, first of all, we're not in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Right. Well, the, the one time we had Come to go on, there for the, for the national meet, it took forever. So, right, and, right. And, we're, and we went to college in, in Greencastle, which is also basically middle of nowhere. Right, right. So one of the things I, I'll share with you all is, is that uh, I've lived in this community my entire life, right? And, and so one of the things as a coach I've always said, I'm not going to recruit student athletes here if I'm not living in the same community in which they're living in, right? And so... Uh, I, I've lived in this community. I've raised my children in this community, in this community uh, who are biracial. Um, 
and, and so, you know, one of the things for me is 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 that uh, as I'm recruiting student athletes, I, I'm 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 really talking to them, not just about obviously the educational um, opportunities um, at Warburg is outstanding. Um, the athletic opportunities is outstanding. Uh, but I'm also talking about that pers personal growth opportunity as well, right? And so uh, if it's a, a young man, young woman that, that's from the inner city or in a major environment, I'm talking to them about being able to really take full advantage of the opportunity to be in an environment this way that's really conducive for them to be successful academically, athletically, right? Uh, I think socially is a big, uh, the social piece uh, is a piece in which you have to grow from and, and, and you, you have to mature. Um, and, and, and one of the things is, is that uh, I don't want them to, to come to this community. I want them to be themselves. I want them to, to be able um, to, to, to educate and teach as well about what it is in a major city or uh, the inner city or you know, rural Iowa. Uh, to know that we can build this relationship and we can learn from each other. So this, this whole thing about being able to break down barriers and truly get a chance to, to build relationships, genuine relationships, not based on what we've heard or misinformation, but what we have learned to, to know, right? And I think those are the two different things that, that uh, that's been the joy of, uh, you know, for me to be able to look back uh, on this national championship, the, the eight of our women and know that each one of those national championships, it was diversified. I mean, there was diversity within those national championships and those young women and this group of young men have really truly learned holistically who one another are. That to me is the most important piece that I value. Coach, our, our listeners can't see you, but um, we're on a video call with you and you're, it looks like you're talking to us from your office, correct? Yes, correct. Yes. Yeah. And so you've been at Wartburg a very long time. Um, you know, from what I can see behind you, there's a lot on the wall. What, what does it take to get a spot on the wall in your office? Well, uh, if you can see, on, I mean, you're looking in a little bit on the wall. If I'm pointing to this wall right here, those are all the individual national champions I've been for, fortunate and blessed to coach, right? So this is the national championship wall. So, you know, one of the hardest things uh, with COVID, right, was that uh, one of the things that I love to do is, is bring prospective student athletes in our office, in my office, so they can see this wall because I want them to see and dream about being on that wall. That means you were a national champion. You did something special, right? Um, the other things, some of the other pictures are uh, the stories of, of some of those national championship teams or conference teams. Our first, you know, one of my favorite pictures on the wall is, uh, you can't see it, but it, it was our first ever men's national championship team, uh, excuse me, our first men's conference championship. And then also we have our first women's conference championship uh, with me being the head coach. And so uh, those are stories that come from those experiences. Uh, I have a, a group of my first, you know, five All-Americans that I coached as a head coach in 97 indoors. Uh, and uh, we have our first women's national team title on the wall. Uh, and we're going to put our first men's national team title on this wall as well. So, you know, it's, it's, it's those stories. I, I want to be able uh, to reflect on those stories um, when I'm in here by myself. Uh, but I also want to be able to reflect on it when I have families in here. Uh, and, and probably one of my most 
you know, favorite pitchers is is, is some of the pitchers with, with my boys, you know, who are, I have a redshirt freshman at, at the University of Nebraska playing football. Now I have a sophomore in high school, or well, he will be a junior next year. And then I have a, a young man, our youngest one will be a seventh grader. And so there's a lot of pictures of them as infants and babies being with, you know, my athletes, you know, uh, my division three athletes were their role models, right? And so uh, they didn't they didn't look beyond Wartburg Athletics, you know, Wartburg Athletics. I tell people all the time, division three athletes is what gave my boys the goal of being the very best that they could be because that's who they watched growing up. Right. Uh, so, you know, those, the, the, the pictures on the walls, the sayings on the walls, those are memories. Um, uh, those are stories. And, and uh, that's, that's how you get on the wall. I might have to put you in the spot here and you, you can decline to answer since there might be some alumni listening, but who are some of the athletes when you think back that have really impacted your career and left you feeling like you were a better coach because of them? Oh, wow. There's a lot. Yeah. Uh, 25 I mean, years. There's a lot of people to go through. I bet. Yeah, there, there's a lot. I mean, I, 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 I really, to be honest with you, man, there's a lot of women. Uh, there's a lot of men it would be really hard for me just to pick a couple here or there. Um, really hard. I mean, it, it would be really hard. I mean, I, 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 I value those relationships that I have built with all of them. Um, but if I had to, you know, it, just for me to be able to say a couple, um, you know, if I had to pick one on the, you know, women's side, um, the distance side, you know, as, as me being the hurdle in the sprint coach, um, you know, uh, my wife and I, we, we, we uh, had a tremendous relationship with Missy Buttry. Uh, Missy, you know, um, Missy spent a lot of time with the house, right? Um, and uh, it was funny because, you know, obviously Missy, you know, extremely successful distance runner for us, right? Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, I think I, I was almost, I was coach Newsom, but I was almost big brother, right? I was the head coach, you know, but coach Johnson and being the distance coach coached her. Uh, sometimes I was the buffer between the two of them. <laughs> and uh, I took that role, you know, uh, you know, um, uh, proudly, uh, but uh, lots of great conversations, uh, lots of great dialogue. Matter of fact, we win the men's national title. One of my first Texas was from Missy. And, uh, you know, so I would say, you know, Missy was just one that uh, she was a special athlete uh, on a lot of different levels, uh, but a lot of people don't realize just how special of a family that she came from and um, the, the values that, that she was taught. Um, uh, so, you know, Missy was a big part of the success of this program. Um, and again, a lot of different, a lot of, lot more women. I mean, I've had some incredible, I've been blessed with some incredible alumni women. Um, but I, I would highlight Missy uh, just because it was not just, you know, me necessarily coaching her uh, in terms of her events. It was more of the relationship that was built, um, you know, um, holistically with Missy. Um, you know, one of the men, you know, that completely changed our program around on the men's side was Meridu Joseph, uh, who's, who was my first national champion uh, on the men's side. Um, and, and, and so um, Meridu 
400 hurdler, 100 meter hurdler, one, two, four, Meridu again. You know, he was our oldest son, first babysitter ever, you know, so and and, and watching him in the dorms, right? Uh, so, uh, but Meridu, he, he changed the complete outlook of our program and still to this day, um, he's coaching um, at the collegiate level, but he will take the time to uh, to talk to our current student athletes and mentor them and talk to them about what it needs to be to be successful. You need to listen to Coach Newsom and, you know, so Mary Lou Joseph was definitely one of them uh, on the men's side. And then, like I said, a, a number of young men that really has had impact on me as a person and me as a coach. Uh, but if I just had to, you know, just pick out two of them, uh, it would be Missy uh, and Mary Lou. Uh, but uh, and I also was saying, you know, that that group that that won those national titles on the women's side, all eight of them uh, was really, really special. But if you do your research, look at the women's 2012 indoor and outdoor national championship teams, really take the time to do the research on that team. Uh, we had some outstanding women on that 2012 team. We broke all the national meet records in terms of total point score at the national championships. Um, indoors and outdoors with that 2012 women's team. So uh, I had a group of women, incredible women that, that helped shape and mold me uh, as a coach. Thanks for uh, humoring us there, Coach. We know that's the most difficult question you're gonna you're gonna face in this hour with us. Yes. Um, yeah, we've we've had we had Missy on on the show previously with her uh, husband Andrew. Yes. So great, we'll, we'll link them. Great fam. Yeah. We'll link that in the show notes for the listeners to check out if they missed it the first time. Um, you know, as we we begin to wrap up and uh, think about letting you go here, you're very generous with your time. I, I think a lot of people may look at you now and wonder what you have left to accomplish. Um, what's what's motivating you now or what do you think is going to motivate you next year? Um, you know, what's what's getting you out of bed in the morning? Well, OK, there's there's uh, you. You know, I'm going to let my secret out then, all right? So, um, okay, that's what we like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going I'm to let my secret out. Three goals I had when I took over the program to win national title on the men's side, win a national title on the women's side. Uh, and the third goal was to win men and women's national title on the same day at the same national meet. So, there it is. Next year, is. we're going to give everything we have. Uh, to win both on the same day, same national meet, both men and women, and that that was my that was one of my 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 last goals as a head coach is to win both of them uh, on the same day, together, same national meet. So I know what that feels like to do it on the conference side. Uh, I want to know what it feels like on the national side. A lot of this, if prospective student athletes are listening, can kind of get an understanding of who you are as a coach and the program that you're running, but give us your recruiting elevator speech. You know, what's the one minute go-to that you use on your recruits? And we're, we're timing it. We always time the head coaches when they do this. So you've, you've got one minute. So my one minute is this. You're going to be coached and cared for holistically as a whole person. I am excited to see you grow and develop. But most importantly, I'm excited to, to be able to see what happens at the end of your four years. Um, I wanna be a part of watching you become a dad, a husband, a mom, 
Um, and I want to see you become a professional. Um, and uh, uh, so the biggest thing for me is, is that you're going to be cared about as a person. Um, and you're going to be coached hard. I'm going to coach you hard because I love you. Um, but you're going to be cared for holistically. It's not just about how fast you run or how far you jump or throw. It's about uh, how you're able to overcome adversity and, and how you grow as a strong woman, as a strong man, um, and that uh, you will be able to give back to your community, to society, uh, hopefully uh, what you receive from us as coaches. Okay, Stu and I are gonna get our uh, applications in the mail today. So you, <laughs> you should have them in, in three or four business days. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, Coach Newsom, thank you so much uh, for your time. This has been an awesome hour. I'm really excited for our listeners to hear it. And um, yeah, just wanted to say thank you and congratulations on, on this season and everything you've accomplished in your career so far. Well, thanks so much. And I really appreciate you all, in, including me and involving me in your show. that's all for this week's episode thanks so much to coach Newsom for joining us and being generous with his time thanks to you guys for uh, tuning in downloading this episode we really appreciate as I said in the intro you can help us out by sharing this podcast with a friend or checking it out on social media if you'd like to support us you can do so by shopping at our merch store or leaving us a tip on Venmo those links are in the show notes below we'll talk to you next Tuesday until then here's to the glory days all right, that's all for this week's episode. Thanks so much to Coach Newsom for joining us and being generous with his time. Thanks to you guys for uh, tuning in, downloading this episode. We really appreciate 